Welcome to Pale Blue Pod, the astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe but still want to be its friend. It's true. And I'm Corinne Caputo, a writer and a fun person and a friend to the universe. Yeah, you are. And you know how I can tell? Because your hair looks great today, Corinne. Okay, Moya, I was just thinking that. And you know what it is? There is so much dry shampoo in the roots of my hair right now (laughs) that it's like holding this perfect form. You have like the perfect, I don't know, like 70s swoosh at the top. It's really wild. Gorgeous. And you can't quite see, but like it's very grayish at the roots because of the shampoo is like white powder and I have like <laughs> really dark hair. So. Oh, okay. Yay. Wow. So you're a friend of the universe. Uh-huh. And so am I. Hi, I'm Dr. Moya McTeer. I'm an astrophysicist and a folklorist and uh, I, my, my hair looks fine today. Your hair looks great. We're both yeah, doing it. You're right. Yeah. I, I, yesterday was wash day, so the curls are popping, if uh-huh. I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Corinne and I are here. Hair fantastic. I know. I'm doing and... anything to avoid wash day, but just like <laughs> stuffing it with powder. <laughs> Uh, I had formed like two dreads in the back of my head, so I was like, "It's it's time. I gotta I gotta detangle this. Let's do something." Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, but we're here looking fantastic uh, in a field. Yes, because uh, you know nothing's gonna stop us from from looking our best when we want to, and uh, we are here in a field full of cows in rural New Hampshire. Um, they are smelly, but. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love cows. I saw a really funny tweet recently that someone was like, I wonder if those cows in the field know that girls driving by are their biggest fans. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I haven't seen that tweet, but I love it because I do. Every single time I drive by, cows. It's always like cows, cows, cows. Like so excitedly, yep. and I'm I'm from the country, mm-hmm. folks. Like I'm I'm from a place. I like to say it had more cows than cars. That's why I had to learn to cross the street when I got to college. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love cows. Their their eyelashes are so long. They have best friends. They form <gasps> best friendships. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Um. So we we are doing this episode among the cows today. Um. And they will get to hear us, and you will get to hear us talk about UFO sightings, which is an interesting topic for us. Yeah. (laughs) We've talked about like reaching out to aliens, but not about those who claim to see them. Right. Um, And I I think it was in our AMA episode where we mentioned the different Mm -hmm. like hearings and um, Congress appearances and like the all of the ways that the sightings of UFOs or UAPs have been in the news lately. So we, we wanted to do an episode where we're like, has the government found aliens? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of TikToks and stuff online that are like, remember when aliens were declared real by the government and we all just moved on with our day? And I'm always like, yeah. I, I'm like, I didn't do the work to like actually know to look into that. But I feel like you're wrong. <laughs> right. Right. I have also seen those. Um, I've seen people lamenting like, oh, the world is in such disarray that the government announced there were aliens and no one's doing anything about it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, people would be doing something about it if they had actually uh, declared that there were aliens. <laughs> so uh, we'll get into it. I, I watched the whole two plus hour hearing um, on C-SPAN or like <laughs> on C-SPAN's <laughs> YouTube channel. Uh, so I, I saw what they said in 
in the testimony. I also um, heard all the things that they weren't allowed to say publicly. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. I can't wait. Starting off, um, Corinne, have you ever had a UFO experience? Um, once I left a movie theater as a teenager, and I swear to God, I saw a flying car. But I think that <laughs> I think it was a plane with two lights that looked like headlights that was flying quite low, and it was <laughs> late at night. And you know when you leave a movie and it's late, and you're like, I'm excited to go home. Yeah, you're totally disoriented because you've just come from another yes, world. Yes, exactly. I must have left some. I probably was leaving, like I don't know, some fantasy movie. But yeah, that's maybe you were far... leaving Harry Potter with that flying car. That really could have been it. And my <laughs> my like very basic imagination could only imagine something I just saw. Um, that's a theme in UFO sightings. I think we'll we'll get to that. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, and I didn't really think that's what it was. Very quickly, I was like, I'm tired. I need to put myself mm-hmm. to bed. This was on Staten Island? Yes. This was at the, okay. like, more expensive movie theater with better seats than the one that was close to my house. Ooh. It's like the further away one. And I have never seen an alien since, and I don't want to. Cool. Cool. Um, I have had a UFO experience <gasps> when I, w- I think it was the summer before fourth grade, maybe. My family and I did a cross country road trip. We were driving back from California to Pennsylvania and we were, we happened to be in New Mexico. And I didn't know about New Mexico's reputation, but we happened to be driving through the desert in New Mexico. And uh, I saw this flashing light zoom across the sky way faster than I thought anything could possibly move. And little, like, I guess at that age, I was what, like seven? Seven year old me was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, that is. That's a spacecraft. Yeah. Because um, I had heard of spacecraft, even though I didn't know about the Roswell, New Mexico alien thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I've I've had the sight, <laughs> the sighting before, um, and I grew up to be pretty skeptical, but extremely hopeful because unlike yeah. you, Corinne, I would love to meet an alien. I I mean I am my baseline is such a f- from a fearful place. Like I'm just afraid of things. <laughs> Fair. Fair. I guess I figure like that'd be a cool way to go. That would be a cool way to go. What do you think that was? I think it was just like a plane or maybe an early drone or Ooh, something. Yeah, um, yeah. Corinne, I'm going to tell you, I went into researching very skeptical, but very hopeful. I I came out of it a little less skeptical. <gasps> Okay, so now this podcast is about, <laughs> it's like us interviewing oh. people, <laughs> experiences, and aliens. A, a, a little <laughs> less skeptical. Um, and, and that slight difference hinges on the testimonies of three men. Uh, so, like, you know, I'm going to take their testimonies with a grain of salt until yeah. I get to see more evidence myself. But let's um, let's talk about the history of uh, alien or UFO sightings before we get into what's been happening in the news more recently, because it has a, a pretty long history. Corinne, how how far back do you think it goes? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like the 40s, maybe. Yeah. Was that that's right? That's a good guess. Okay. Yeah, for for like the the latest craze. Okay, yeah. Um, but I'm it does thinking go like back after Great Depression. Like Yeah. But before the 70s. Mhm. 
great instinct. <laughs> um, so the the type of like little green men UFO flying saucer uh, craze that did start in the 40s, but there are some uh, surviving written descriptions of people in the ancient world thinking that they saw cool things in the sky. Um, so there are a handful of reports from Egypt, Rome, Ireland from like thousands of years ago, often as ships. So like like Ooh. ships that would go on the ocean. They would they thought that they would see those aberrations in, in the, the sky. sky. Wow. Um, but sometimes it was just like a, a burning light. But y- usually what united these sightings was that the thing moved in an unnatural way. Uh, And then there are also several reports, some of them from like whole towns at once around the world that claim they have seen weird things floating in the sky, weird things coming down uh, from the atmosphere, hanging out like a hundred feet or whatever above the ground and then flying away. Like there have been reports for centuries um, and then going back thousands of years to the ancient world. But it did all kind of start more recently in the 1940s, specifically in June of 1947. Um, what happened then? What happened then? <laughs> you know, I never thought about like um, there being a point in time when there's nothing in the sky but birds. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm always looking up and like, there goes a plane, there goes the satellite or like there goes whatever. That must have been really freaky if you thought you mm-hmm. saw something in the sky that was not a bird. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the ones that were described as burning balls of light, they were probably like meteors or right, something. Right. Um, there are also some like things. Things do go floating in, yeah. in the sky. Like, you know, we, I don't think they had like balloons or, I was gonna or plastic say, bags. When did but balloons like, come out? <laughs> <laughs> but, but things can go flapping in the sky. There can also be like weird atmospheric things and the human eye isn't perfect. So there are plenty right. of other explanations. Definitely. I feel like we should get that out of the way. But uh, lots of people claim to have seen these things. One of those people is a businessman or was a businessman and pilot named Kenneth Arnold. And in June of 1947, he was flying and he <laughs> reported seeing nine saucer shaped discs. He described them as like the type of saucer that you could like skip over a lake. It looked mm. like that. Um, and he said that he saw nine of them flying in formation in the sky outside of Mount Rainier in the state of Washington here in the U.S. And so he he talked about that to the media. And within six weeks, Gallup did a poll back in 1947. So within six weeks, 90 percent of Americans had heard the term flying saucer after he did that news report. Whoa. And then the next month in Roswell, New Mexico. There were some Air Force personnel who were scouting or doing a training run or something, and they saw some debris in the desert, and they went to check it out, and it ended up being like a crashed balloon or something, but they put out a public release, a press release, saying that they had found the remains of a flying disc. And the fact that that was just like a month after the flying saucer, the public went wild. Eventually, the Air Force retracted their press release because they were like, we just don't want this smoke. We're just we're just going to back away from the topic entirely. Nothing we say will convince the public that it's not aliens, because that's 
what they have in mind right now. And so going back to your, like, you had been maybe in Harry Potter and then you saw the flying car, Mm -hmm. people heard the term flying saucer and then all of a sudden a bunch of people are seeing flying saucers. (gasps) Yeah. I'm so willing to believe this, though. Like, I'm someone who doesn't want to see it, doesn't want to be a part of it in any way because I'm afraid. But also, if you tell me that you see that, I'm like, you're you definitely saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, say it, it is really hard to maintain that balance of um, skepticism, but optimism and, and like whimsy. It's a it's a fine line to walk. But yeah, but I think we, we manage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so after 1947, when everyone is talking about. Um, aliens. And I think around this time, science fiction is also becoming more popular. Science fiction specifically with aliens in it. Not mm. that it's new. We had been thinking about life on other worlds since like, well, since antiquity, but definitely since the 1800s. Um, and some science fiction reflected that, but it was getting bigger around this time. Like You can see those two things kind of uh, fueling each other. And in 1947, the government started the first of three subsequent projects to study these uh, reported sightings. The first was called Project Sign, started in 1947, um, and then it transitioned into something called Project Grudge. <laughs> um, and then that was switched over to something called Project Blue Book, which lasted the longest and is what most people have uh, heard of if they're familiar with this history. So Project Blue Book went until 1969. So for 22 years, they were taking in reports of people seeing uh, UFOs, which were unidentified flying objects and those reports were like they went to the government and they were assessed by the government to see if they were legitimate if there were any other possible explanations and over those 22 years they documented 12,618 different UFO sightings wow they have like a hundred thousand pages of documents they are all publicly available I did not comb through them all but it's like an interesting collection if you if you want to look through it Those 100,000 pages included one report from Betty and Barney Hill, who claimed that they were captured and examined by extraterrestrials in rural New Hampshire, which is where we are. Uh, So they might have been the first people to start the whole alien abduction and probing story that then spread and and a bunch of people used. (laughs) Thanks, Betty and Barney Hill. That sounds like that's such a duo name. Like I know. <laughs> like it sounds like it shouldn't be real history. No, like, not at all. It was made up. Okay, I just looked it up because I thought it was true. But Barney from the Flintstones, his wife is named Betty. <gasps> Barney Rubble and Betty Rubble. When did the Flintstones? This Flintstones was made by aliens. <laughs> we're figuring out. We're connecting we're, the dots. <laughs> connecting the dots. We're following the trail. <laughs> That's why it's so uh, accurate to the time. We weren't alive in the prehistoric era, but aliens were. Aliens were. They saw it. <laughs> it's a documentary, yeah. the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, so Betty and Barney, Hill, not Rubble, they were included among the Project Blue Book uh, sightings that were documented. And uh, Project Blue Book ended in 1969 when... Some people from the University of Colorado Boulder put out this really long report. It was hundreds of pages long, and it's called the Condon Report, the Condon Report. 
not condom, Condon report. <laughs> um, and it basically looked at all of these sightings to determine if they had merit and if studying them was contributing to scientific knowledge or if it was just like a waste of the government's resources. And the report determined that it was a waste of resources. So we just like shouldn't be studying these UFO sightings anymore. This is 1969, which is the year that we like literally sent human beings to the moon, after which, for some reason, the entire United States government decided it wasn't interested in space anymore. So they like defunded NASA. They uh, stopped this Project Blue Book. The United States government in 1970 was like, we space, we don't know her. Like we don't want Mm -hmm. (laughs) anything Mm -hmm. to do with her. But people didn't stop thinking about these aliens. People continued to have their own sightings. It continued to be like a thing in the zeitgeist. And most of them were were silly, um, but some of the more credible witnesses were from the military. So pilots, people who had good credentials and uh, we like usually thought that they were pretty responsible and telling the truth. And so a lot of the sightings that have prompted us to continue this discussion around UFOs um, have come from the military and from some commercial pilots. But if you watch that hearing from this summer, uh, I've learned that there are fewer sightings from commercial pilots just because their like detection systems on a commercial airplane aren't as good as the detection systems on a military aircraft, which makes total sense. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, So there are a few things that happened between 1969 and now. Uh, Starting in 2007, the U.S. Pentagon established the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that had backing from a Democratic Nevada senator. And at the time, I think he was like the House or like the majority speaker or something. Mm -hmm. Um, His name was Harry Reid. And the point of the program was to look into aerospace threats, which could be coming from outside of our atmosphere. The Pentagon claims that they shut down this program in 2012, but the head of it, uh, who is some like intelligence guy, he has admitted in interviews to continuing to work unofficially after it was shut down with like maybe not explicit permission, but at least implicit permission from the FBI and the CIA. And when the New York Times broke news about this kind of shady Pentagon program looking for UFO threats in 2017, it just kind of threw a bunch of gasoline onto the fire of public interest in Mm -hmm. UFOs. Yeah. I want a TV show about that secret unit. (laughs) I think there is a TV show about Project Blue Book, but I don't know if it if it goes yeah. all the way to to this to the top yeah, yeah. Th- th- this that would be an interesting tv yeah. show to watch um have you seen inside job no on netflix should i oh it's it's an animated show oh, the about animated like show. The yes. cons- yeah 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 yes 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 yeah i haven't seen it, it. kind of reminds me of that but i have wanted to mm-hmm. yeah it's it's funny there are parts of it that i that i really enjoyed So 2017, New York Times breaks this story and people get the first dose of, wait, the government has been seriously studying um, UFOs, but without telling us, like, ah. Um, In 2020, two scientists, Ravi Kaparapu, whose work I think I cited in my dissertation, and um, Jacob Hawk Misra, both of them were NASA scientists. One was an astrobiologist and one was, I think, um, an astrophysicist. They together wrote an article in Scientific American saying that we really need to rethink this plan not to study UFO sightings. So going back on what the Condon report had said in 1969. 
But by now, we weren't calling them UFOs. We were calling them UAPs, which at first stood for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And now they are um, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon. I guess that includes more. I think they just needed a (laughs) rebrand from UFO. (laughs) It's literally, it's the same fucking thing. (laughs) It's, it's, oh, there's a thing in the sky that we don't know what it is. It's a, it's not a UFO. It's a UAP now. Um, But they did change it from aerial phenomenon to anomalous phenomenon because some of them can be in the water now. (gasps) What? So they're, they're broadening the scope. (laughs) Um, so after this 2020 Scientific American um, like treatise or call to action, the Pentagon established yet another uh, program called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force to, and I quote, improve its understanding of and gain insight into the nature and origins of unidentified objects. <gasps> In June of 2021, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, so the people who are in charge of knowing all the secret stuff in the United States government, they wrote a report categorizing these UAPs into five different types. They were airborne clutter, so just like junk in, sp- in the atmosphere, natural atmospheric phenomena, like there, there are weird lights, um, like the northern lights. There's lightning, like there, there are weird things that are natural but look weird. There's public and private aerospace developmental programs, so like these kind of secret to the public programs that are developing technology that could be perceived as alien just because people don't know about them. And then there, there's like foreign adversary systems, um, so the same thing, but with foreign governments. And then there's a, a catch-all other bin. I assume something in there is like um, people's eyes having issues, like vi- vision mm. problems, um, but also probably in this catch-all bin are aliens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, or like a non-human technology, as they kept saying in the in the summer hearing. Uh, so that's a report that they did in June of 2021. They wrote a follow-up report in 2023, so just this year, um, that described 500 more sightings since 2021, most of them coming from military personnel. Um, in 2022, the, Pen- the Pentagon, just like, they love starting a program. They love, <laughs> <laughs> they love putting together a committee. Um, in 2022, they established the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office to investigate objects that might pose a threat to national security, whether they're coming from the atmosphere, from the ocean. Like, if it's weird and we don't know what it is and it's coming from somewhere, we're going to study it. Yeah, that feels so wide a net that they're either going to have, like, no work to do or, like, way too much. (laughs) I feel like that describes so much of the way our government operates. Yeah, it's like, well, just send that to this group. (laughs) It's either too specific to be useful or it's too broad to be useful. Yep. (laughs) Um, So that's the Pentagon's 2022 effort. That same year, NASA also said that they would join the mission, the quest to study these UAP sightings, and um, that they they would do it from a science angle um, and not from an intelligence angle. And so uh, in 2022, that's when I started to see people making jokes that like the government has sneakily revealed the aliens are real. Is that around the same time you started seeing it like last year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that I was also a kid who was always like, 
if I got the chance to watch TV, I would want to like turn on, you know, the Discovery Channel, which at that point was just airing ghosts hunting shows or like alien (laughs) documentaries. So I think it definitely picked up in the culture, but it's like been a ribbon in my life of just like casually taking in that kind of Mm -hmm. info. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ancient aliens. Did you ever watch ancient aliens? Like actually watch it? I don't think so. I think I've watched more of the like weird TLC exploitative shows where they just like interview someone who had some traumatic experience and then they like do like some weird reenactment and I was always like this must have happened (laughs) everything on the internet and on TV is real especially if they've invested in a reenactment for it oh yeah oh yes but the reenactment is often more realistic really sells it than the the original event (laughs) yeah yeah Hey friends, it's Moya here. Corinne saw the absolute cutest cow and completely fell prey to her cuteness aggression, which for those of you who are not in the know, is that thing where you just want to squish or bite the very adorable things you see. And usually you can't act on it because you're dealing with fragile creatures who would die if you squish them as much as you wanted to. But the great thing, friends, about being around so many cows is that they are sturdy enough that you can just take out your cuteness aggression on them. So Corinne is over there hugging the absolute hell out of that cow, but it's totally fine. Uh, So while she's over there doing that, I figured I would be here uh, taking this opportunity to thank our patrons who support the show financially every single month. Thank you all. We love and appreciate each and every single one of you. But I would like to give a special shout out, as always, to our Sunlike stars, Sharn Llewellyn, Lissa, and Ian O'Leary. You have the perfect amount of gravitational attraction, and you emit the perfect amount of radiation for life like us. So thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying it out there. And, of course, a very enthusiastic and first time thank you and welcome to our latest pre-main sequence star, Bella Stewart. Welcome to the club. You are in great company. You too can hear your name on the pod, you can support us, you can get your name on our patron star chart, all for just about a dollar per episode. That patron star chart, by the way, is really starting to fill up, and it makes me feel really good about the work that we're doing over here at Pale Blue Pod. We're also offering annual subscriptions, so if you sign up on Patreon for a whole year up front, then you end up getting a 13% discount across that entire year. That is 1% for every constellation in the Zodiac. So you can save money and you can help us and put us in a more stable financial position at the same damn time. Doesn't that sound amazing? You can find that star chart, uh, more about our Patreon, and other stuff that we have going on at our website, palebluepod.com. Or if you already know that you want to support us financially, please uh, head on over to patreon.com slash palebluepod. That is the most direct way to support us. But if you can't support us financially, that's totally fine. You are still space. The universe loves you. And so do we. Because there are other ways that you can support us and help us grow. You can rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, I love reading them. It makes me feel great every time I hear direct feedback from one of our listeners. But you can also share the show with your friends. A person-to-person recommendation of a podcast is a really effective way to help us grow, way more effective than just enjoying it by yourself with your own ears. So uh, please help us grow by sharing it or reviewing it. You're awesome. I have a message for you. Uh, That message is a podcast recommendation. 
And that podcast is, of course, another show on the Multitude Collective. This one is Join the Party. Join the Party is an actual play podcast with tangible worlds, genre-pushing storytelling, and collaborators who make each other, and me, laugh every week. The Dungeon Master is Eric Silver, and he is joined by emphatic players Amanda, Brandon, and Julia, and together they welcome everyone to the table, from longtime TTRPG players to folks who have never touched a role-playing game before and didn't even know that that's what RPG stood for. You can hop into their current campaign, which is an awesome pirate story set in the world of uh, plant and bug folk that Eric built himself. It's beautiful. You can also marathon their completed stories. They have a camp pain. It's punny. It's amazing. It's a monster of the week game set in a weird summer camp. Their second campaign is for people who love superheroes. It's a modern superhero game. And their very first campaign is for people who appreciate the classics, people who want a high fantasy story. So those are all the campaigns they have, all the adventures that they've gone on. But once a month, they also release the after party, where they answer your questions about the show and how the game is played, which is why they can authentically, genuinely say, that it is a show for everyone. So what are you waiting for? Pull up a chair and join the party. Search for Join the Party in your podcast app or go to jointhepartypod.com. You'll have a bunch of fun. Next, another message uh, from our sponsor, Ravensburger Puzzles. You can, in this cozy season, indulge in the timeless pleasure of assembling Ravensburger's extraordinary jigsaw puzzles. Ravensburger's premium quality puzzles are crafted with meticulous attention to detail, bringing you an unparalleled puzzle-solving experience. With a rich heritage dating back to 1883, that's like... 140 years of puzzle making. That's incredible. Ravensburger puzzles have become an integral part of families' lives across generations. You can share the joy of puzzling with family and friends, with your pets who are especially good at not knocking things off the table, or by yourself in this cozy season that's great for reflection and one-person hobbies. They have so many different size options, so many different themes, so many different images. So no matter what you're looking for, if you want space, if you want uh, a natural landscape, they've got you covered. If you want a quick puzzle experience with just 50 pieces, they've got you. But if you want to challenge yourself, if you want to go all the way up to uh, the biggest puzzle you've ever considered, they have 40 thousand pieces. Are you up to the challenge? I don't think I am, but I I hope that someone is. Uh, If that's you or if you want one of their uh, smaller pieces, you can shop for Ravensburger's puzzles on Amazon.com today, or you can go to Ravensburger.us. They make great puzzles and you will have a good time. Climate change is going to require collective action, but how can individual actions make a difference? On a new episode of Life Kit, we're walking you through what sort of climate-friendly choices can make an impact in your life and the lives of others. Listen to Life Kit, part of NPR's Climate Week, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, and now Corinne is coming back. She looks so at peace, which is what hugging a cow will do to a person. Uh, After this episode, I'm definitely going to go hug my own cow. But for now, let's talk about those alien hearings. So so that's like what's happened in UFO sightings or UAP sightings up until this year. Uh, Just a few months ago, On July 26th of 2023, the United States Congress had a hearing on unidentified aerial or anomalous phenomena. It was two hours and 18 minutes long. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was held by um, the House Oversight Committee or, or Intelligence Committee. Mm-hmm. I, friends, I know a lot about how the universe works. <laughs> I do not know how the United States government works, really. I, I did not take a civics class. Well, yeah, I did, and I couldn't tell you. Okay. Yeah. Well, they were they were they were in a very official looking place. There were lots of cameras. There was someone with the gavel. There were speakers with microphones. Somehow, two hours feels short for this. This was not the only hearing. Okay. Um, good. There there were. I think there was a hearing either this May or last May. Like they they've had a couple, mm-hmm. um, but it felt long when I was watching it. I'm sure it did. <laughs> oh my god. Because it was it was um, the people the the Congress people on the subcommittee and they were interviewing or like questioning three witnesses. One was David Fravor. He was a commander and pilot in the U.S. Navy. Um, he was there to talk about his personal experience seeing UAP. Um, he was one of the witnesses of the Tic Tac incident, um, which some people call the most credible UAP sighting in history. There is video footage. There's like recordings that they have from their plane sensors, but some of them, I think, got scrambled. Um, And then he has his eyewitness thing. Yeah, yeah. Some of these things, some of these UAPs that people are are citing, that these pilots have seen, Mm -hmm. they're saying that they can scramble their signals. (laughs) So like... I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I don't like it either. Um, so that's David Fravor. Then there was uh, Ryan Graves. He is in charge of like safety and security for potentially the Air Force. I don't know. I think he's he is also a pilot. And he was there because he really wants there to be solid and secure reporting channels for pilots, both commercial and military, um, and like regular people who see UAPs. And then there was David Grush, and he was like maybe the most important witness there because he was the whistleblower who came forward um, over the summer and prompted, I think, this hearing in the first place. He was an Air Force intelligence officer, and he had been given clearance to look at what the government had done with UAPs before. So like all of those Pentagon programs that Mm -hmm. they love to start. He was the intelligence officer or one intelligence officer who was given access to those materials. And he said that he had been exposed to classified information about deeply covert programs that he says possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft of, quote, non-human origin. So um, all of those social media posts that are like they said that there were that there were aliens, there were non-human biologics. He's the one coming forward saying like there are non-human biologics. And he's saying this based off of mostly interviews that he has done with people who examined those UAP sightings uh, or the reports of those sightings. He has not seen much stuff himself. He is basing this on interviews that he has done over the years with people who supposedly have seen it. Um, so I that's who's testifying. I took some notes while I was watching it. I am, mm-hmm. I'll go through them, but any um, reactions, questions, comments so far on this t- well, hearing? <laughs> I mean, I'm so inclined to especially believe someone with like a title. So this yeah. is, for better or worse, I'm like, 
primed to be like, well, if he said it and he's in this position of power, then it's true. But I think the important thing is that um, this guy, David Grush, there are two, there are more Davids on this panel than there are women (laughs) or people of color. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Um, You can also say that about astronomy. There are so many fucking Davids. But maybe in this scenario, I like it because I'm like, you don't see women getting up there being like, yeah, I saw an alien. (laughs) Which also makes me wonder. (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah. It's important to remember that he did not see most of this stuff himself. Mm -hmm. So, like, his testimony is, like, I talked to someone who saw this stuff. Like, that's most of it. Yeah. And in in a dinner party setting, I love that kind of conversation. I want people to sit down and be like, this is what I heard through the grapevine. Yes, yes. But in a um, United States congressional hearing, yeah, yeah. no, not necessarily. A little different. But here's here's essentially what what they said throughout the hearing. Um, Ryan Graves was especially passionate about getting this reporting pipeline going. He thinks that only about 5% of UAP sightings are actually reported by pilots. Um, He really does think that uh, because of stigma, because people fear that they won't be taken seriously or that they'll lose their jobs if they report this stuff, they are not being reported. And Ryan Graves' whole thing is he's like, we can't study this stuff if we don't have data to study. So you have to let people feel safe reporting this information so that we can look into it. Um, He's coming at it from like a a national security point of view. Throughout the whole thing, he didn't seem like he like is super committed to the idea of there actually being aliens. He's like, I don't know what this is, but we need to study it. So we need to get more reporting. Uh, Then there's David Fravor, who was talking about his Tic Tac encounter, and he was talking about some of the um, technical capabilities of the UAPs that have been seen. And he was very adamant that they seem to demonstrate a type of technology that we currently don't have in the U.S. He was pretty sure that other nations in the world don't have that type of technology. And he said he doesn't think that humans are capable of technology uh, of this sort for the next 20 years. So uh, so this pilot guy is being like, that was super advanced tech. I've never seen anything like it, and I don't think it's of this earth. Um, so the things that he, uh, actually, this was corroborated across all three of them, but gone, apparently, are the days of the flying saucer. A lot of them these days are shaped like the the tick tack or like mm-hmm. a little pill. Um, that's what David Favor saw. Ryan Graves was saying that a lot of pilots he knows are reporting seeing um, a black cube where the the corners of the cube are touching a clear sphere. So there's like there's Ooh. like spheres now. Um, uh, some people are saying that they just see a cube. Uh, Ryan Graves talked about a a giant red cube that was on one side as long as a football field that just like came down from the sky, hovered for a little bit and then left. So those are the shapes. Um, wow. They're saying that these things can reach supersonic speeds um, in no time at all. They're saying that they can um, change direction without trying to, like they can change direction instantaneously. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. I have um, seen like some chatter that like the, it, it defies like what we describe as aerodynamic. Or like what we think the rules are for like a flying ship where they kind of have wings and like a nose and 
etc. These don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're saying no wings. They can hover um, in in place even mm-hmm. under like hurricane force winds, like a hummingbird. Uh, like but a hummingbird, stronger. which is the only bird that can do that. So yeah. we know that even in nature, it's pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's the type of stuff that they're seeing. Um, that's what Ryan and and David Fravor were, were talking about. R- Ryan, we're on a first name basis. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then there's David Grush, who is coming in, I think, with the real kicker of a testimony. Uh, so he said, and I quote, I was informed of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, but he was... Uh, denied access to the, like the top level stuff and he was denied access to the actual um, UAPs themselves. He um, was asked if he believes, point blank, he was asked by by several people if he believes that the U.S. government is in possession of UAPs. He responded, quote, absolutely. That is based on interviews with 40 people. He says that he knows the exact location of these UAPs uh, and that he has provided them to the inspector general in previous interviews. He wouldn't give them publicly, um, but he says he's never seen them, but he knows exactly where they are. He was asked if he or people he knew had been harmed in an effort to cover up this UAP info. Um, He said, absolutely. He knows people who have been injured. And when asked if people have been murdered to cover it up, he wouldn't answer. (gasps) He wouldn't answer. He said, I cannot um, say that publicly. Yeah, I'm going to need more about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When asked uh, along the same line of questioning, if people have been injured by UAPs or human officials, David Grush said both. (laughs) And so the the person asking the question was like, oh, okay, so... So people are are harming them to cover it up, but also like these UAPs are are dangerous themselves. And they kept trying to get more details from David Grush, and he would he said something. The most straightforward answer he gave, which wasn't even really that straightforward, was um, you know when you're dealing with uh, really advanced unknown technology, when you're dealing with unknown unknowns, like things happen. Someone was like, so are these like radiation effects? Like what's he just wouldn't say. He said he couldn't okay. say publicly. That's weird. That's yeah. Um, And he was saying that because he came forward as a whistleblower in order to maintain his protective whistleblower status, he can't say anything publicly that is still like confidential or still a part of that whistleblower investigation. So there was a lot he wouldn't say. Mm -hmm. Um, He said that senior officials are doing what he calls, quote, administrative terrorism uh, to keep the word of these programs from getting out. So they're threatening job security. They're firing people, um, things of that nature. Um, He says that there are definitely advanced technology research programs that Congress doesn't know about. Um, So he claimed definitively that um, there are pockets of the government that are keeping secrets from Congress and the public. He was asked about potential funding sources. He was asked, like, who should we talk to next? Where should we look next to, like, basically root out all of this secret rot? And he said he couldn't say publicly. Around this time, this guy named um, Burchett or something, he was, like, Southern. He said, y'all. He (laughs) casually mentioned that Every year when they audit the Pentagon, they fail and they come up at least a billion dollars short. What? (laughs) Every year. What? (laughs) Yeah. So um, that's something I know now. 
Um, this same guy also very sweetly called out um, his wife. Apparently, it was their anniversary on the day of the hearing, and so on the Senate floor, he like was like, "Happy anniversary, honey!" Yeah, By like, the way, the mom. Pentagon loses a billion dollars every year. Whoa, that's so weird. That is so much money, and so much money. and that's so funny to just be like, "Hi." <laughs> yeah. Um, so. He didn't have street answers, at least not publicly, about where this money is coming from or who actually is involved in this cover-up. He was asked a few times about the non-human nature of the things in these UAP programs. Um, He, all he would say was non-human. He would Hmm. not specify beyond that. And when asked why, he said he prefers to keep it uh, broad So by saying non-human instead of extraterrestrial, he can, I guess, cover all his bases. But I will remind listeners that 99.9% of uh, living creatures on Earth are non-human. So Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he he seemed very sure that there is this cover-up happening within the government. He seems less sure that it is definitely aliens, but he, um, he left it open. Mostly they just want like a solid channel for reporting these sightings and studying them thereafter. They want there to be less stigma around talking about these sightings and um, they want reasonable censorship. Like they want uh, dangerous information kept out of the public's hands, but Mm -hmm. they also want the public to stay informed, which is why they're trying to go after this like secret pocket of, of the government doing these UAP research programs. But that, that was the, the hearing. In two hours and 18 minutes, there was never one definitive declaration from anyone in the government saying like, yes, there are aliens. It was all very like open and and the juicy information is is not public. So no, the government did not come out and say there are aliens. That's so funny. But I came out from watching that hearing being like, you know what? There might, there might, there might be. Yeah, you say that there's nothing out there. (laughs) Um, I used to think there... If I had time and energy, I could go find all of the clips of me on the internet being like, there's no way we've found aliens. Astronomers are so bad at keeping secrets. I've said it a thousand times, Corinne. Um, I'm I'm now thinking that uh, maybe astronomers just aren't involved at all. And uh, yeah. it's all just like engineers. And engineers are pretty secretive. I believe, yeah. I believe that they could eat it. I do it. buy that. Yeah. But that, that was not the latest congressional thing about aliens, Corinne, believe it or not, there was a a little story about the Mexican Congress dealing with aliens. Did you see this? This is what I was dying to know about, because all I saw was like the hilarious memes that came out from it, but not like what actually went down in that reading. Um, some I got so many texts about it immediately. Of course. <laughs> it gave me a little laugh. Uh, so for the listeners who aren't aware of the story, on September 12th, a self-identified ufologist named um, <laughs> Jaime Mousen, he brought these two little coffins in, into Mexican Congress, like literally wheeled two coffins onto the floor of the Mexican Congress. And he claimed that they were real unmanipulated, fully intact, thousand-year-old bodies that were completely unrelated to humans. Um, He said they had been found in Peru in 2017 and that they were actual alien remains. And they looked... They looked like little mummies of 
of E.T. They Yeah, they really did. <laughs> they looked so humanoid, like a three foot tall human. They had the big heads. They had nose bones. And um, I forget who I saw who pointed it out, but like humans don't have a bone there. They were just like very humanoid, but kind of in the way that on Halloween, around Halloween, you see the skeletons of all the animals that like yes. don't have skeletons. It was like that. They looked like a paper mache. I had an assignment in elementary school yes. to make a paper mache president. Like I had to pick any president and make him. And he, mm-hmm. I remember I did George Washington and he had the, like, I gave him a way too big a head. It was such a weird shape. And this looks like yeah. paper mache. Like the texture really of it does. even could be like glue and paper. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really does look like that. And they um, they had some, uh, I think he was an astronomer there, uh, and they, like, revealed X-ray scans of them. One of one of the bodies apparently was pregnant and had eggs in, in its <sighs> belly. And just, like, I, I should say, it has since been, like, widely regarded as as a total publicity stunt. Mm -hmm. Ryan Graves, who was at the U.S. hearing, he went down to Mexico to show his support for people continuing to talk about this issue, and afterwards he was pissed. He was like, that was... That was a slap in the face. He didn't actually say it was a slap yeah. in the face. He did say something like, "This is this is a big step back for this movement." Like, um, that was such a stunt. He of did, course, he my conspiracy say. brain is like, "Well, who's ever wherever the billion dollars of the Pentagon went to, they're trying to fake a, <laughs> like this to make it look less credible." <laughs> <laughs> You're right. No, I. It's that's just, all. That's not true. But but <laughs> it was so wild to me that anyone was trying to credibly pass this off as real aliens completely Mm -hmm. unrelated to humans the idea that our body shape would be what aliens have the idea that aliens would have a gestational pregnancy the way we do the idea like just yeah so i i want to keep an open mind friends but like you know the door's got to close <laughs> to, yeah. to unwelcome people. And and this this Mexican uh, alien stunt was unwelcome. The door shut right in its face. Wow. <sighs> what a time to be alive. But yeah, look, look up the video. Actually, if you're a patron, it's in this episode's research notes. But if, if you're not, um, look up the video because it's it's hilarious. <laughs> they seem so earnest while they're talking about these stupid little paper mache mummies because I think, yeah, Corinne, that's totally what they look like. Yeah, it, it was so funny. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure that stories like this are going to continue to come out. Um, there will be more headlines about these studies that are rightfully going to be done about UAP sightings. Um, there will continue to be people who who pull stunts like this. There will continue to be um, news lines about NASA f- definitely finding a planet that has alien life. Like you'll, you'll continue to see those stories. I want to help you listeners not fall into those traps. Like, so, so what do you do? the next time you encounter a story like this. Corinne, what, what do you do typically when you like see one of those headlines? Hmm, well, I usually just decide that that's not true. It's <laughs> mm. not a media, like super media literate way to do it. But I then, mean, it's better than the alternative if default. You start, yeah, if you start by saying like, prove it, instead of being like, I believe you, then mm. you have to dig for the evidence yourself to make sure that you believe this. And I think also making sure that the people who are who are making claims have validity. 
I think mm-hmm. that a lot of the like COVID misinformation that was coming out when the vaccine first launched was being said by some people who can claim like being doctors. And just because they have that credential doesn't mean that they haven't maybe, in my opinion, lost the ability to to make health claims. Like I think sometimes mm. people who speak on something are maybe doing things for attention more than more than to share information and, and just yeah. kind of researching. Also checking where you get your source. Like if this is picked up only in a niche blog that typically does like alt news, maybe make sure that it's also coming out in a place that has fact checkers. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I think starting from a place of like, prove it. I love that. <laughs> Just deciding, prove it to me. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say definitely start skeptical. Um, so anytime you see a big headline like NASA finds proof of aliens, approach with skepticism. Yes. Uh, and then like Corinne said, check the the sources um, check the type of publication that you're you're reading that from if you just like hear a piece of information and it's not attached to a specific article look for your own um, resources and make sure they're credible look mm-hmm. for primary resources if possible so um, instead of trusting news site analysis of the the hearing on UAPs, I went and I watched the hearing myself um, so that I'm getting the information right from the source instead of from like two or three degrees of separation away. Um, and then the, the third one, if you don't want to do your own research, that's totally fine. We all have like really busy lives and we can't devote a, a bunch of time yes. to everything. Uh, so you can follow reliable people and organizations. Yeah. Um, so I there are a few friends in my life who when when like these stories came out, they texted me uh, or, or like the next time I saw them in person, they were like, yeah, I didn't even really bother um, thinking it was true because I figured if it if it were true, then you would be talking about it. Mm-hmm. So if you follow me on social, trust that if there is an actual credible public declaration of definitive proof of aliens, I will be amplifying that headline as loud as I possibly yes. can. <laughs> so follow people and organizations that you trust. Um, if they're not saying anything, then it's probably not real. Um, and if multiple people that you trust are saying the same thing, then it probably is real. You know, yes. so just like use use that type of um, critical thinking. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Any, any last thoughts or questions, Corinne? On UFO or UAP? <laughs> which, which, which do you prefer to use? I, you know, I like UFO because it was... Um, just like what we said when I was a kid. But I like UAP because it seems like UFO is the colloquial term, but the real experts (laughs) use UAP. (laughs) You're in the know if you use UAP. But I, I, no one's going to know what I'm talking about. No Mm. one's going to know what I'm talking about if I say UAP. Yeah. But people are less likely to believe me if I say UFO. (gasps) Good point. There are layers to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You so I guess in conversation you can just be like UAPs or or UFOs. Yes, exactly. That's the move. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Well, everyone listening, I hope that um, whatever you see in the sky tonight, you remember that you are space. Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> hey. 
Pale Blue Pod was created by Moya McTeer and Corinne Caputo with help from the Multitude Productions team. Our theme music is by Evan Johnston and our cover art is by Shay McMullen. Our audio editing is handled by the incomparable Misha Stanton. Stay in touch with us and the universe by following at Pale Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or check out our website, palebluepod.com. We're a member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like Pale Blue Pod, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. If you want to support Pale Blue Pod financially, join our community over at patreon.com slash palebluepod. For just about $1 per episode, you get a shout out on one of our shows and access to director's commentary for each episode. The very best way, though, to help Pale Blue Pod grow is to share it with your friends. So send this episode, this link, to one person who you think will like it, and we will appreciate you for forever. Thanks for listening to Pale Blue Pod. You'll hear us again next week. Bye. Bye.